Welcome to Basketballers. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. And we're here to fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we get to the nitty gritty and all the fun that we're going to be talking about, um, we wanted to give you a brief introduction so you're not listening to two random dudes who you don't know anything about. Right. So like I said, two random dudes you know slightly a little about. Right. <laughs> so my name is Matt. Paul and I have known each other since I think ninth grade. We've been friends and we started out friends in high school band and all that kind of stuff. Paul went to college at Iowa State. Um, we're from uh, Des Moines, Iowa. That's where we live currently. And I went to school in Minnesota. I became a Timberwolves fan. Um, I love to hate myself, obviously. Paul moved to Atlanta for work and became a Hawks fan. So we bond over really uh, perennially shitty teams. So yep. it's and, pretty and awesome. the hope every offseason that we're going to you know make the playoffs or be a better team than we were last season. Right. Like, look at this great draft pick I got. Yeah. Uh, or our team got that's going to, you know, do amazing things and going to bring us finally to the playoffs um, next year, which inevitably never happens except for the one year that the Wolves went to the playoffs um, with Jimmy Buckets, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit. <laughs> the, basically, the, the dream for our teams is to make the playoffs and get swept in the first round. And that's like a moral victory for us. <laughs> right. Right. So I'm Paul. I grew up in Des Moines, as Matt said, and moved to Atlanta. Been a fan of every basketball team, kind of have a fandom to the Hawks, but, you know, just love good basketball. Just love watching good NBA basketball. Fuck college basketball. Fuck, by the way, yeah, fuck college basketball so hard. You know, it's really funny. Living in Iowa, we don't have any pro sports teams at all. And so people, we have Iowa and Iowa State as our big state schools, and people love to be like, oh, go Iowa State basketball. College basketball is so much better than the NBA because they actually play defense. And we're like, fuck that. Actually, that's not the case at all. (laughs) Most people just kind of suck. Right. (laughs) Like the offense in college basketball is so terrible that it makes the defense look passable. Everyone looks like they play good defense. Right. And then then they go to the NBA and they're barely NBA fringe players. Right. And, yeah. Except shout out to George Niang from Iowa State, who actually is pretty good on the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and Monty Morris. Yeah, Monty Morris, right? Yep. So two quality Iowa State players that became quality NBA players. Shout out to Fred Hoiberg, who had the dream job lined up, (laughs) went to the Bulls, which is he should know is a parentally terrible organization, gets fired and is now at, like, Nebraska? Yeah, he's at Nebraska. Something like that. He has so, a family connection, I think, like where his wife is from or something. I'm not honestly quite sure. So, but. Shout out to Fred Hoiberg for fucking it up. Yeah, Fred Hoiberg had it made in Ames, <laughs> Iowa, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. He could have been at Iowa State for life, and his, he his chose nick- to fuck it up. His nickname was the mayor True. of Ames. True. He could have done anything he wanted. It wouldn't have mattered. He probably didn't pay for any meals. No, he could have probably lit a chicken on fire, had it run down Main Street names, and they would have been like, that was actually, honestly, one of the best fires I've seen in a long time. <laughs> that was one of the best chicken burns we've seen around here. No chickens were harmed in the making of that joke, by the way. Um, okay, so Paul and I watch, so basically, we watch a lot of basketball together, Um we live pretty close to each other, which is really nice. So, like, after my kid goes to bed, we're able to watch the games and talk shit about it the entire time, which is really fun. And I know what you guys are going to say. You're in Iowa, so you probably live, like, one farm away from each other. It's not true. 
we live like half a farm away from each other because right. we live in a city called Des Moines. <laughs> yeah, we do have high speed internet, um, not even broadband, and <laughs> we uh, use cell phones and use cars to commute and actually have a city, which is kind of cool. <laughs> You know, but sometimes light a chicken on fire. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we just watched game two of the NBA Finals, which happened yesterday. And, no, game three. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a good start. So yeah, game, game three of the Finals, and... Um, which is when Jimmy Buckets went banana buckets. It was just incredible. Yeah, so I mean, as a Timberwolves fan who loves Carl Anthony Towns, and... Uh, has some opinions about how the Jimmy Butler era went personally. Um, I got to say, man, he like, he was amazing last night. He was so good. And the fact that I think the stat that came out today was it was the first time in LeBron James's career that someone has outscored, out rebounded and out assist in an NBA finals, in an NBA finals game, which is absolutely incredible. Thinking of all the talent that he's gone up against, I think, you had said that Dirk was close yep, this in the is, 2011 this is a shout finals. Out, shout out to the NBA subreddit for uh, providing this nugget. <laughs> but yeah, apparently Dirk Nowitzki had outscored and out-rebounded him in a game, but they had tied with four assists. But it's just kind of the greatness of LeBron that he's always doing one of those three. There's never a game where he's bad at all of them. And even last night, he was still good. He had 25 points and 10 rebounds, and everyone's like, eh, he wasn't that great, honestly, but it's, it's like at least he wasn't falling over every five minutes like Anthony Davis does when he like <laughs> runs down the court or puts off an awkward jump shot. Um. <laughs> Anthony Davis takes flopping to a whole new level. He flops when nobody's around. Like Anthony yeah. Davis is an incredible player, and especially these finals, he's been really great offensively. He's had a couple of really nice defensive stops as well, really great blocks, but he just... He's so awkward when he falls. It's weird. Yeah. He'll like there'll be a play away from the ball and he just falls. Watch it next time you watch an Anthony Davis game. Right. Just, Seriously, we started paying attention to it. Like it's normally in at the, the Denver edge, series. Yeah, it's normally at the edge of the camera because he's like off the screen, away from the action, and he's getting up off the court. And you're like, how did he end up on the court? <laughs> Why is he sitting on his butt like seventy feet away from the action over there? It probably happens at least twice a game. Pay attention, Probably. seriously. Yeah. Like Paul said, pay attention. The edge of the camera bound. <laughs> <laughs> so last night, like Paul was saying, I mean, Jimmy Butler had an extraordinary night. What Probably the best game he's ever played professionally, given the circumstances, too. Yep. Bam Adebayo out, Goran Dragic out. Um, the heat on the verge of going down three games in the NBA Finals, which, as everybody knows, is pretty much the end of the series at that point. So... Um, he comes in, he puts the team on his back, proverbially, and he he just absolutely dominates the game from front to back. And, you know, I think it's hard because Paul and I a lot of times will talk about, because I love lists. I love top five, top ten lists. I'm very much into like, who's the top five this? Who's the top ten that? And, you know, where does Jimmy Butler rank if the, if the Heat even win another game this final series? Where does he rank in the NBA at this point, especially when you have... The Bucks making an early exit. The Clippers making an early exit. You can make the case, even though his stats regular season, and even most of the finals, on their face, aren't super flashy, you can make the case, he's at least a top 10 player. Is he a top 5 player? And there's questions you can, or I think a case you can make about that with Jimmy Butler. 
Yeah, he's kind of a weird player where we were saying LeBron kind of has sneaky quiet stats. Right. Whereas Butler, he just does everything so well. It doesn't always show up on a stat line. It's just like he gets a deflection. He gets some hustle play, you know. He gets a fast break dunk, and it's not always, you know, oh, he just made a jump shot here. He made a turnaround J. Like, those are really nice, and not everyone in the NBA can do that. But it's so many little things, too, and just, I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but just leadership. Well, it's the timing of it, right? Like you say, he he hits a fast break dunk, not necessarily when they're up 20, but when they need a fast break dunk, when they need points on the board, when they need a play that will change the dynamic of the game. Yeah, and it's so hard to quantify like clutch. Like, oh, who's the most clutch? You could say it's in the last two minutes of the game, but that's not always true. Sometimes it's middle of the third quarter. The other team just scores eight straight, and you're like, we need a stop, and we need a bucket, or else we're kind of in trouble. And that's when Jimmy Buckets comes through. And he was, I mean, by that definition, he was clutch the entire game last night. He, And that's why it was such a great game. Yeah. Because he played with the intensity that every time was the last, like, Every minute was basically in the last two minutes of the game. And I don't know if they were, if the Heat were just lucky last night with Anthony Davis getting in foul trouble, but if they can force him to commit some fouls early, man, that really took him out of the game. Anthony Davis was just bad last night. He was bad. He just... <laughs> he was sitting down too much. <laughs> and the look on his face, it was so fun. Like, the look on his face when he committed, I think it was the fourth foul, and LeBron just like... Ran by him and basically looked at him and was like, God damn it. You could tell he was just like, it was like, hello, darkness, my old friend. He just looked like his world was like, oh, no, I sent that really nice text to LeBron the other night. My brother, like my big brother, and now he's mad at me. Who who leads that? (laughs) Was it LeBron or was it AD who went to Rachel Nichols or whoever and was like, hey, check out this sweet text that I sent or that I got. (laughs) And I'm talking to Paul about it. I'm like, dude. Okay, why would you send a text when you're in the bubble? Literally be like, hey, You man. see everyone more than you want to. Yeah, like... You can't get away from them. You I guys, mean, like, laying in your rooms, on your bed, face down, and you're like, I miss you, you're the best. Thank yeah. you for all your leadership this season. Right. Like, just go over to them and be like, Hey, man, you mean a lot to me. This is, Like, you've done amazing things. You're incredible. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's... Spank them in the locker room after the game. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <Or> also, <laughs> they're... Um, incredibly talented successful multi-millionaire basketball players and we are not so i guess yes. whatever works at the end of the day it's it's all <laughs> it's all fine and good i suppose but um the other thing last night to me that was interesting so those are kind of the star players because really the heat you know are missing their second and third best player yes uh in Goran Dragic and in bam kelly olenic really showed up you know yeah. game two he had 24 points but last night he affected the game, I felt like, better because he, they, was, he as was, a whole, played better. And they, they needed that from him. I mean, they needed every shot, but he made quite a few... I don't have the stat line pulled up. He made quite a few threes. He had a few good drives. And he played good defense last he night. He played passable defense. Right. Really, that's all, you, that's all you want from Kelly Olenek. Yeah. It, Kelly Olenek goes out, sinks a couple of threes, makes some nice drives to the basket, plays Does, passable defense, that is the exact yeah. game you want from him. Yeah, if he doesn't give up a few layups on defense, you're like, great job, Kelly Olenek. You're not, you're not Bam, but Bam doesn't shoot threes either. Right. Um, and speaking of the Heat, I know that Paul's favorite player on the Heat is Kendrick Nunn. And what, I want you to tell me a bit about his performance last night, Paul. <laughs> okay. First of all, something you should know about me is, fuck Kendrick Nunn. All right? 
uh just yeah if you do something like that in your past fuck it basically don't commit domestic violence is the point of the story right and organizations shouldn't probably award people who commit domestic violence right is the main thing that organization got rewarded with a terrible finals performance from kendrick nunn they did so let that be a lesson now as far as other players i think who made a good impact on the heat i mean solomon hill has been solid he hasn't he came out of nowhere yeah I don't even know if he played the first two rounds. I'm not sure. I don't quite remember, but I know that he's, I mean, he's just, he's made some really nice plays. He's hit a couple of really good threes, open threes. He's been there when they need him. He hasn't made terrible mistakes. Like, I think he's been pretty good. He he and Andre Iguodala are just playing that role of a steady veteran. Yeah. Go out, play some defense, grab a few good rebounds. You know, you get a contested rebound here or there. That's winning basketball. Right. And if you make a few threes, or you get a you know pump fake drive, you kick for an assist, something like that, you get a few dunks, like you're happy. Again, that that's kind of a the Andre Iguodala that they want, right? If Andre Iguodala gives you eight points, you're like awesome, right? Good job, Andre. <laughs> so, Paul, what are you looking for for the Lakers in Game Four? I'm looking at AD because AD stepped up in the Denver series. And he was a killer in that series. He played well. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Anthony Davis fan, but he played well. Right. And LeBron's going to give you LeBron, especially in the NBA Finals. AD just, he wasn't there. I mean, if, if Bam is back, that changes a few things too. Let's assume he's not, though. Let's assume that Bam and Dragic are out. I just assume Dragic is out. Yeah. Bam, it sounds like, is more 50-50 game time. Sure. I mean, if you're AD, I want to see AD get 30. If AD gets 30 and still plays really good defense, the Lakers are going to win. I want to see AD get fucking more than five rebounds. I want to see he, him get 10 rebounds because he's, he's, he's not been rebounding well. He's not been rebounding well. And that's, that's what we're saying about like Iguodala and Solomon Hill. Like The vets who just come in, they grab the rebounds. You prevent those offensive rebounds that maybe AD should be getting. Because he's taller than both those guys. Absolutely. I mean, you have you have Andre Iguodala on Anthony Davis. And look, Iggy is obviously an incredible defender. He has a really great resume showing that he's an elite defender all time. But Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. Yeah, he's 10 years younger and 5 inches taller. And so prolific offensively, he should be able to easily win that matchup. Right. But he hasn't been. And you have Rondo shooting threes. AD should be getting some offensive rebounds and put back dunks. Right. And so it's just it's solid team effort boxing him out. But he, yeah, he needs to do better on that. Yeah, I I think you make a good point. I think if if AD can score thirty, and LeBron can continue to impact the game like he's impacted it, I mean they're gonna Look, win the series. Yeah, I mean if LeBron's LeBron, if AD gives you thirty and ten. Which would be a good game. Right. I mean, that's a good game from anyone, but it's AD. You know, he's, you talk about top 10 in the NBA, he's in a lot of people's top 10 lists. 30 and 10 shouldn't be outlandish. And honestly, it should be expected in the NBA Finals. I understand it's his first Finals, but when you have a guy who, you know, several years in the league has produced the kind of numbers and the efficiency he's produced, he should be meeting the moment. Like, obviously, that shot against Denver. That, would, that, yeah. that was an amazing, amazing game winner. 
Uh, and he needs more of those kind of moments, I feel like, to elevate himself. Because while that was great, that doesn't mean he's now, like, the guy. LeBron is the guy. When LeBron's on oh, your team, he's the guy. LeBron's the guy. Um, sorry, Kyrie Irving. LeBron is the guy. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> he's going to always be the guy. He has been the guy. Also, look, LeBron can be player coach. He can do whatever he wants. True. <laughs> like, that would be an instance. So, I'm sure uh, most of you who uh, follow basketball closely know that uh, Kyrie Irving had a podcast where he, I think, had Kevin Durant on. I think that's what it was or something like that. And yeah. I mean, Kevin Durant has a podcast. Yes, yes you're right. On. Yeah, the other way around. Basically, and, they're trying to take our jobs. <laughs> uh, so Kyrie Irving is basically like, hey, remember that amazing guy, Steve Nash, who doesn't have any head coaching experience? And there was a lot of like kerfuffle about, oh, maybe they should have hired a black coach because, you know, um, George Floyd, everything that's been happening, social justice, which was super important. Uh, maybe they should have hired somebody who's an assistant coach or who's had head coaching experience, but no, they're hiring Steve Nash, yep. who is amazing. Steve Nash is incredible. Yeah. Right? But Oh, great player. Right. No head coaching experience. And they make this big hire, they make this big splash, and now it's like, you know, Jacques Vaughn might be the head coach some games. Kyrie might be the head coach some games. Kevin Durant might be the... So here's my question. It may be Steve Nash. Sure. The guy maybe who has Steve Nash. head coach on his resume. Might be. Might be. We're not sure yet. But here's my whole thing. If that was your game plan all along, why not hire Jock Vaughn? Seriously, why not hire him? Right. What's the point? If you're Why not hire me? Or me. Yeah. <laughs> when you bring I'll... in someone like Steve Nash, who it sounds like was hard to get to become an NBA coach. Yeah. A lot of organizations have wanted him for a while. I mean, do you want to leave Canada right now? No. I wouldn't want to come to the United States my if I God, was in Canada. No. I hope they're paying them well. <laughs> I think they are, but still. I would love to just chill in like a cabin in rural Canada and like look at the sky and be yeah. like, man, life isn't so shitty here right now. My prime minister is not the most terrible person. Um, he's like whatever, but life isn't so terrible here. It could be worse. I could be in America. Right. And then you get a phone call and they're like, hey, you want to come to America? And he's like, Give me a few mil. We'll make it happen. <laughs> I want a few mil just for being here. That's a good point. I think the stimulus package, instead of being like $2,000 that they're proposing, which isn't going to happen, but even more than the 1200 I think a couple mil per person would be nice. It's Andrew Yang on steroids. Andrew Yang, if you're listening, let's talk about two mil per person. Could Andrew Yang on steroids play in the NBA? <laughs> I know Andrew Yang likes the NBA. I know he's a big fan of the NBA. So, hey, maybe Andrew Yang should be a coach. Would he be the first? Would he be the first Asian American coach? I think he would be. Well, Spolstra. Spolstra. That's true. Yeah, he has Filipino. Filipino, I think. Yeah, that's true. So technically, technically, he is. Got him. Got me. (laughs) Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. But getting back to the finals, I mean. I don't know, man. Like, I wanted the Heat to win because, as a Timberwolves fan, fuck the Lakers for a long time. I just, I just don't like the Lakers. But because they took the team from you, that's also true. Yes. Why they're called the Lakers for anyone wondering? Well, they didn't take it from me. They took it from the organization. I'm not the organization, but you know, right? Yeah. Uh, the Lakers started in Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis Lakers, which you know makes sense because. For those of you that don't know, the um, motto Which is for most of you, <laughs> the motto for the state of Minnesota is "Land of Ten Thousand Lakes." So the Lakers 
makes a lot more sense in Minnesota than California. Right. Specifically Los Angeles. It's like, if you're wondering about the Utah Jazz, why they're called the Jazz, it's not because of all the white people who live in Utah. It's because they started out as the New Orleans Jazz. Which makes a lot more sense. Right, which makes a lot more (laughs) sense. And then white people stole it. Which, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Happens a lot. Yeah. Happens a lot. Uh... So, yeah, I, I expect the Lakers at this point to win, just especially because of the injuries to the Heat. Jimmy Butler played amazing, but he can't sustain that kind of play. I would I would think he can't. That would be... If he could, it would be all-time great, incredible finals performances. Yeah, because that was already considered an all-time great one-game finals performance. Yes. If he does it again, that's just... It's like legendary. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We're going to be watching Game 4 super close, and um, we're excited to recap that on our next show. Absolutely. All right, so I have a fun question for you here. Who is the oldest player to score 30 points in a game? The oldest player to score 30 points in a game. The oldest player to score 30. The oldest player to score 30. Okay. I have to think, the first question I have to ask myself is, did Michael Jordan score 40 points with the Wizards? Or 30 points, sorry, with the Wizards. Because he was pretty old. And that's the he, question I have to ask myself. He was pretty old. Um, also, to answer your question, it's Michael Jordan. So Hey! No. Sorry, that was misleading. The, an- <laughs> the, an- the answer is not Michael Jordan. I was saying Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. Correct. So you have to take him into consideration. That was very misleading. So on it's my not part. Michael Jordan. The answer is not Michael Jordan. Okay. Oldest player to score 30. Okay, I need I need a couple of hints. So was this in the past decade or was it like 20, 30 years ago? This happened in 2019. So I'm going to say it was Dirk. It was Dirk. Yes. It was Dirk, age 40 years, 294 days. Scored. That's incredible. Scored 30 points. Do you want to guess uh, numbers 2 through 8? It's all one person. Numbers 2 through 8? Yep. Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Michael Jordan on Washington, just age 39 and 40, just... Going out and scoring 30 points. Just lighten it up, old man Michael. Because I mean this now in the actual way. It's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan just wakes up and gets buckets. Dude, this, and honestly, that's part of why he's just the GOAT. Because he's on every list. And look, here's the deal. I don't want everyone out there to think that, oh great, these are just uh, two white dudes who are going to talk about how much they love Michael Jordan every single episode. We're not. We're going to talk about a lot more than that. But right. we do love Michael Jordan. <laughs> And we grew up in the 90s, and yeah. I think it's very reasonable that we love Michael Jordan. You kind of have to love him, Jim. Right. So, you get down to number nine, you get Kareem. That makes sense. 10 and 11, MJ. Is Carl Malone in there? Carmelo's Malone's next. Okay. Yep. He's 12, he's 12 and 13. Reggie Miller makes a few appearances. Sure, that makes sense. You get Carl, Reggie, Carl, Reggie, Michael Jordan. And now, everyone else, you know, like Michael Jordan shows up again, Kareem shows up again. There's kind of an outlier. There's a guy who at age 39 years and 20 days dropped 51 points. 
Do you know who that is? Mo Williams. No. Dang it. Oh, he wasn't that old. I'll give you a hint. This also happened last year. Vince Carter. No. no. Who's... 39 years. Yep. Was it Dirk? No. No. Think think of a sixth man. The Oh, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford. Yeah. Jamal Crawford dropped 51 at age 39. Jamal Crawford. I love Jamal Crawford. I think Jamal Crawford was a great player. And I don't know how he didn't even get a spot this year. It was absolutely insane. He still wanted to play. Shout out to Jamal Crawford. Shout out to Jamal Crawford. Shout out. I love Jamal Crawford's game. Man, his shot is so silky smooth. Love Jamal Crawford. He he went to a lot of teams, though. Started down in Chicago, went to the Knicks, went to Golden State, Atlanta, Portland, the Clippers, which is where he was for probably, I guess, the more public part of his career. Sure. Kind of the later years. He was there from age 32 to 36. Yep. Your boys, Minneapolis for a year. And Phoenix, where he dropped the 51. And he was on Brooklyn. He played one game this year. Just not a lot of need around the league for a 40-year-old, no-defense, chuck-em type of guy. But I'm not sure why. <laughs> God, I'd take Jamal Crawford even just to have him on the bench. What a smart guy. What a great player. He's, I mean, he'd be a great mentor to young shooters. Like, He's been around. I think Jamal Crawford is incredibly underrated. Over time. I mean, that's why Atlanta had Vince Carter, who's like right. 41 or 42 or right. something. <laughs> you know, he w- he's not on the list because he's not out there dropping 51 points. But just to have that veteran leadership. I mean, that's why he was on Mini. That's why he was on Phoenix. Right. I think it's really cool that Vince Carter is really embraced that role with Atlanta. Yep. I think it's so cool because, you know, early in his career when he's in Toronto and he's just lighten it up. I mean, he's cocky Vince Carter, which is why we loved him, right? Like, great player. Oh, yeah, because we're not Raptors fans, so we can love Vince Carter. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, but it's so cool to see him become kind of the elder statesman and really embrace that leadership role. I don't know what he's going to do. I know he's probably going to do broadcasting, I would imagine, because he's done some of that already. Yep. Um, I mean, he... Maybe he wants to go into coaching at some point. Or maybe he was, the front office. I mean, he really yeah. he could bring a lot of... He he was basically a player coach in Atlanta. Yeah, I think he can do whatever he wants. Vince Carter's a super talented guy. I, I wish him all the best, and I think, you know, what a great career. The dude and could, cool the dude could still it. dunk. Yeah, absolutely. How, how amazing is that? 42? Yeah. Uh, still getting up there? Look up how old he is. I, I'm curious. So Paul is our, our resident... Um, Typist. Well, I was going to say Googler, but Paul hates Google, so he's he, he's the resident search engine specialist, we'll say. Yeah, we're not going down that path. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a separate podcast called Things Paul's Weird About. <laughs> uh, Vince Carter is 198 centimeters tall and 99 kilograms of mass. <laughs> Paul also <laughs> likes to use the metric system for some reason... I understand that we're the only country that doesn't, but we still don't. It's, just, it's funny to say he's 99 kilograms of mass. 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 It's not weight. It's mass. Um, to answer your actual question, he is 43 years old and 253 days as of today. So, like, close to 44 years old and the man can still dunk. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. There are guys who have been retired 
for five, six years who aren't even that old who can't dunk. There are guys in the league who can't dunk. <laughs> I mean, even Caruso can dunk, right? <laughs> no, I mean, anyway, props to Vince Carter. That guy is pretty unreal. And Jamal Crawford. I yes. mean, he was, he was in the league for 19 years. That's, that's a long NBA career. Props to him. Yeah, props to Jamal Crawford. Shout out Jamal Crawford. Shout out Vince Carter. <laughs> um, but honestly, for the number one on that list, yeah, Dirk is ridiculous. And Dirk was such a good player. It's unfortunate he only won one championship, even though that was it's one of my favorite um, NBA Finals. That was such a cool series. Dude, I, I still vividly remember that NBA Finals. Yeah. It was, it was this legendary well you had you had the heatles right you had that was their first year getting together and you had dirk who had been with the same team and just trying to win and it wasn't i mean it was athletic but it wasn't like overpowering dunks it was just finesse and it was like i'm gonna do this fadeaway and you're not gonna stop it and it's not just dirk let's talk about the composition of the teams you have lebron d wade chris bosh who at the time were still all relatively young they were in good shape. They were energetic. They filled the team with these vets. They were ready to go. They were ready to fuck shit up. Yeah. They were coming in to take over the league. Not three, not four, not five, not six. And then you have <laughs> Dirk, and you have Jason Kidd, and you have Jason Terry, and you have Sean Marion and Tyson Chandler. And you have this group of old dudes who are like, you know what? Man, I'd love to win a championship. And they did. It was an incredible run. Yeah, and it was they an did. incredible finals. <laughs> And what was so cool about it was the Mavs figured out how to stop LeBron James. Their defense was so well-tailored to stopping LeBron James. And look, that was at a point where LeBron had left Cleveland. There was a lot of other stuff going on. He was trying to find his way with the Heat. Obviously, they ended up winning a couple of championships. And LeBron really took his game to the next level because if you remember that's where he you know you hear all the pundits he disappeared for da 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 well we don't talk about lebron like that anymore he's the guy who makes the clutch shots he's the guy who makes makes the clutch plays he's the guy who if you have one shot one play you give the ball to lebron he'll make something happen so guess who so obviously dirk was the highest paid member of that 2011 mavs team okay who was the second highest paid player on that team? The 2011 Mavs team. Yep. Do you want a few options? So we have Dirk, who's obviously number one. Jason Kidd. Sean Marion. Tyson Chandler. Jason Terry. Karan Butler. Karan Butler. Nope. J.J. Barea. It wasn't him. Ian Mahimi. Peja Stojakovic. Probably Jason Kidd? No. Who was it? Tell me. Tyson Chandler. That makes sense. Second highest paid. Then Jason Terry. Then Kron Butler. Then Jay Kidd. Then Sean Marion. And if memory serves, Kron Butler was injured for the finals. I don't remember him playing. I feel like he didn't play. He was on the sidelines, I think. Nine years ago. Yep. It was almost a decade ago, but yeah, I remember it vividly too. What an incredible finals. Shout out to that team. 
Shout out to the 2011 Mavs. <laughs> We're just going to give a bunch of shout outs. It's going to be like, man, who are these hippie fucks who are giving them shout outs? All good wishes. Don't worry, we'll talk plenty of shit um, about people. We're just trying to like ease everything in so it's not, man, right. those guys are assholes. Right, you build up some goodwill. Yeah. And then you tear it down. Yeah, absolutely. So, the 2011 Mavs team. I'm just going to do an impromptu. We're not going to be able to remember all teams of all time. Let's come up with a conglomerate of who are the top shit five like most easy to root for teams of all time. Like, because I feel 2011 Mavs, dude, people hated the Heat at that point. They were pissed off at LeBron. So many people, only Heat fans liked the Heat basically that year. Everyone was like, shit. Go Mavs. Yeah. So, like, who are, like, the top five awesome, let's go for that team? Who actually won? No, not necessarily. Let's say finals. Let's say in the finals. That's tough. It, it, it seems like you you kind of choose a team that <clears throat> has the bandwagon, right? Like the Heatles. Sure. Or Golden State after they got KD. Right. And then you kind of... Seems like a lot of people want the other team to win. That's true. Because, like, Golden State with KD was just unfair. Right. And so, naturally, people kind of take sides on it. You know, like, this year you have LeBron and AD. So maybe you can't. Maybe it's always the opposing team. Maybe that's not even a good list to make because it's just, it's just unfair. It kind of feels like it's just always the underdog. Yeah, that's a good point. I will say, so, obviously, growing up in... The 2011 era, those Spurs teams were really fun to root for. Yes. That, w- that was some of the best basketball that I've ever seen, especially that 2014 when they won. You just, I wanted them to win too because it was like, this is just gorgeous basketball to watch. You want players who, and not to say that the Heat didn't play the right way, but again, no, but they like to be villains. And so, yeah, you, you want to see, look. You have this storied franchise that's been built up by Greg Popovich. Timmy D, all those dudes have been around. They're in the twilight of their career. Kind of like the 2011 Mavs in a way, player-wise. Um, and you want to see them win another one. You want to see them... And again, like Paul said, they play so... They played so beautifully. And... It's almost one of those things where it's like... You want to be able to show someone that having a team of... I mean, obviously a superstar in Tim Duncan who is... a great player but it's like you play basketball quote-unquote the right way like a lot of passing a lot of cuts solid team defense and you can win you don't have to be lebron james and just be like an extraterrestrial athlete in order to win the nba finals it's like you get the gang together right and through the power of teamwork like power rangers or some shit you like team up and Beat the villains. I mean, of thing. yeah, you basically like create That's, your Megazord and you go beat the gigantic seventy-five foot tall villain. Because Paul, I actually know Power Rangers. It's like still my fucking favorite because I met the Red <laughs> Ranger, have a picture with him when I was like three years old. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the. I'm thirty years old and still like the Power Rangers. That might be a personal problem, but um, <laughs> the the highlight of his life is still peaking at three years old, getting a picture with the Red Power Ranger. I'm in my living room showing my two year old Power Rangers. And my wife walks in and I'm like, "Uh, 
It's okay. She wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers growing up because her parents thought it was too violent. And my parents were like, eh, fuck it, whatever. He's just running around like a little shit. He'll he'll be fine. And I was. So uh, I had to turn that off, but that's okay. But But you talk about, like, yeah, I mean, watching a team like that that's like, they're just, they're kind of not average guys. Like you said, I mean, the 2011 Mavs, again, you had Dirk, who Dirk is Dirk, is Dirk, is Dirk, is Dirk. You had an older Jason Kidd, but still a productive Jason Kidd. You had yep. Jason Terry, who was making an incredible amount of three-point shots. You had Sean Marion, who was such a good defensive player and just like the glue of the team. Tyson Chandler was playing great defense at that point, the anchor. Yep. But, yeah, they're not the most athletic people in the world. However, LeBron still wins championships because he is this extraterrestrial freak athlete and just an absolutely incredible basketball player. That being said, we're still going to, that was 2011. Yeah. We're still watching LeBron James in 2020 be the best athlete probably on the floor. The control that he has when he drives to the rim, that move he always does with the quick layup is unstoppable. When he spins around to the left? Yeah. And he just does that little bank yeah. shot? Yeah. It's impossible to defend. His <laughs> athleticism and his ability to to maneuver in... I don't know. It's just, man, it's incredible to watch. It's We are so lucky. Again, we talk about Michael Jordan earlier, and we love Michael Jordan, but, you know, while I like to root against the Lakers, I don't like to root against LeBron James because that dude is that dude. He is just... I. I do root against him when he complains at every foul call. That's also a good point. Paul and I were making this point last night. So, yeah, LeBron is incredible. Here is a little bit of a criticism. Obviously, certain star players, I think this is not uh, any news to anybody, get special <laughs> treatment by the refs. Okay. Yep. Uh, pl- uh, the two players that I will bring up immediately are LeBron and James Harden. Um, I think they both get some of the best star treatment in the, in the entire league. And there were, I can't remember exactly what play it was last night, but there was a point where LeBron committed a foul, and it was blatantly a foul. Like, yeah. He took his arm down on a player, he, a foul, and he got upset about it. Yeah, he jumped into Jimmy Butler. That was it, yeah. He jumped into Jimmy Butler yep. from the restricted area, under the basket, brought his arms down. Yeah. And was like, you're going to call a foul on me? I'm fucking LeBron James. And they're like... Well, yeah, if you hadn't committed like three fouls in one, then, you know, maybe we would have given you a little superstar treatment. But you did like three things there. And if that same foul was committed against LeBron, and it would also depend on the player potentially, but if it was like a kind of your average player, it could potentially be a flagrant, depending on how it went. I mean, like like you said, he jumped into him, arm came down. Like, who knows, you know? Yep. When LeBron has any more than kind of a slight push or a little breeze by with the hand somewhere, I mean, it's called immediately. With James Harden, he flails in the air like a fish or something, I don't know, out of water, and a foul is called, even if someone doesn't touch him. I mean, there was, I don't remember the play, but it was this series. It might have been in game one. And there was some play where the Heat were called for a foul. It might have been, what was it where someone landed on, was it Iggy's foot? That's happened a few times. And they call a foul on Andre Iguodala. 
Because someone landed on his foot that was already on the ground. And hadn't moved. Hadn't moved. He wasn't tripping anybody. Right. He didn't He didn't pull a Zaza and stick it under their foot. Right. This is where... Man, I mean, look, kudos to the refs because they have to deal with a bunch of shit. Superstars, all their goddamn egos and all that. Right. But We're just Monday morning quarterbacking over here. Right, absolutely. Look, I'm I'm not a professional and we just enjoy watching the NBA. Um, I am not in any way, shape, or form um, educated enough to know all the ins and outs. But it is frustrating to watch because it's not fair. It's not fairly officiated. We can be honest about that. Right. Whether it's, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are calls that are called that are unfair to the Lakers as well. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you put you in place of James Harden. If you get the same calls, you're just going to dribble around, and the moment someone touches you, throw your arms up, and wow, and hey, you Matt, know, Matt shooting free throws. Right, and I and I would not make those free throws too because <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at um, playing basketball. So he uh, turns into Dwight Howard at the free throw line, but James Harden. So I'm basically the, the worst combination of players. I ho- hopefully I don't have the attitudes of those players because those are two of the worst attitudes in the NBA. They cancel out. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, if I were an NBA player, I would dribble around aimlessly like James Harden, flail up in the air and shoot free throws like Maybe even DeAndre Jordan, honestly, or worse. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not. I, I wouldn't be. You know. Andre Drummond. That's why I don't play in the NBA, um, because they're incredible athletes and I'm not. And that's okay, because I can talk shit about it, because I watch it on TV. That's right. And they're never going to come to Iowa, so, nope. so we're safe. We're safe. We're safe. They're not going to listen to our podcast, and they're not going to ever come to Iowa because they don't give a shit. Because they're multimillionaires, and, and they're fine. They don't give a shit about two white guys in nope, Iowa. They sure don't. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, game four. I mean, one thing I'd like to bring up is that, you know... I don't want to go too much into it because I don't want to depress people more, but it's been a rough several months for everybody, I think, with COVID and with everything going on. A lot of political unrest, a lot of unknowns right now, and selfishly, it's been amazing to be able to watch basketball, to be able to have the play-in games, to be able to have the playoffs. And look, there's a lot of geopolitical things with the NBA that I'm not 100% on board with, China stuff. We don't have to get into that right now because that's super complicated. Yeah, that might be a different. <laughs> but that can go on the uh, the stuff Paul gives shit to yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to give a shout out to the NBA for the bubble and for doing it right, doing it right, figuring it out, and and being successful. MLB, NFL, they've all fucked it up. I mean, I'm honest to God, Paul and I are so surprised that the MLB did not get canceled because there was that week where all these players on several teams were testing positive and yeah. we were like, shit, they're going to shut it down. And yeah. they didn't. Yeah, it was like half the Marlins tested positive and we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Here it goes. And now the NFL is having more cases and yep. of course they are because yeah, they're like, not putting anything in place and they're not being safe about it in college a, football. A quarter of the Titans are currently COVID positive and it's right. like... How are you going to play a game next week when half your team has an infection that attacks the lungs? You're playing fucking football. That's the other thing is that, you know, nothing is worth getting COVID, I think. Nothing is worth that. 
Kirk Cousins, I'm a Vikings fan as well, Minnesota. Um, Depression. But, <laughs> but, by the way, and I'm will stand by this comment, fuck Kirk Cousins. And here's why fuck Kirk Cousins. And I know we're a basketball podcast, but I have to say this for just a second. It's not even a hot take. Kirk Cousins gets paid way too much money to be way too fucking average, and he said something that was so... It was... It was so inappropriate to say because you are the face of your franchise. It was an irresponsible thing to say. He said, if I die, I die. Honestly, man, go fuck yourself because that is such an irresponsible thing to say. That's terrible leadership. That is not a good example to set for anybody because you know what? You can believe in your pseudoscience Christianity bullshit. I'm not saying Christianity is bullshit. I'm just saying he believes. You're saying what Kirk Cousins believes. what believes, (laughs) What he believes is not in science. Right. And, look, science isn't always sexy, but hey, there have been incredible studies that talk about wearing a mask helps. Do we like to wear masks? No. Are they annoying? Yes. Does it make us look stupid? Sure. But you know what? It helps us to hopefully not get COVID. And also, if everyone does it, it's not stupid anymore. That's it's the other normal. thing. It's just normal. But I digress. Fuck her cousins. Fuck that bullshit. Kudos to the NBA for figuring it out, and congratulations on being able to make it to the finals. They're going to be the only... Oh, sorry, I digress. NHL was able to have the Stanley Cup as well. Congrats to them. MLB is now going into a bubble. They are, which is good. They should have done it from the beginning, though. The way the NBA did it was an example that they set for the rest of the sport world, and and kudos. And now we're going to have a great uninterrupted... Because think about it, too. Besides the fact they were able to play all their playoff games, their playing games, everything, we had no interruptions of, oh no, so-and-so tested positive for COVID. Yeah. It's just basketball. We can deal with the bullshit drama that basketball brings. The only interruptions were like, DeAndre Jordan misses a test, or whoever missed their test. There were were a few people. I don't know if it was DeAndre Jordan. Sorry. Or Lou Williams goes out and... uh, Yeah. (laughs) Shout out Atlanta. Shout play, out play, Atlanta. You didn't think Atlanta was in the in the bubble, <laughs> but they were. <laughs> Someone had to get the Magic City wings. Yeah. Magic City. And I a, mean, and a few thighs at the strip club too. You come know, come on, Lou Will. A little spicy sauce down there. Shout out to Atlanta. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Atlanta, and and maybe sometime I'll tell you my favorite Atlanta story ever, but it's not tonight. <laughs> But it It'll be does happen. <laughs> Paul was there, so it might not be. Um, but anyway, kudos to the NBA because what a fantastic way yeah. when we're all depressed, when we all have to make sacrifices we don't want to make. We can't and, eat out at our favorite restaurant. We can't do the normal things we do. Um, it's been nice, like here, to be able to go on walks and do outdoor things. It's been great, but it's you know getting into winter now, and obviously we're not going to have the NBA soon. But it has been really great. To be able to decompress and have sports. It's felt normal. It's felt it's been like one aspect of normalcy has come back. Yeah. It has been great. And also props to the NBA when something has gone awry, like a player misses a test, or they go to a strip club, or they (laughs) invite a uh a worker into the room for a few hours unannounced. (laughs) Um they've handled it the right way. They haven't just kind of let it slide. They've Cracked down and been like, no, actually, you're not playing the games. You're in quarantine, and you got to have three negative tests before you get out there. Yep. So, props to them for having actual plans in place and not just kind of being like, oh, what? 
it they broke I don't know what to do now. And to kind of end things out today, I guess I'll we can talk more about like just the NBA as a whole and part of why we love it. And I know like I think Paul and I think similarly on this, but the NBA is a great model as a sports organization. They're not perfect, but they do a lot of things well. Their NBA cares that they've had forever, reaching out into communities. So many players individually are so generous. I know Kevin Love, one thing he used to do in Minnesota was his coat drive every winter, which was super cool. Um, gave back to the community in that way. But there are just so many stories like that around the NBA. Uh, obviously, everything with Black Lives Matter and social justice and how vocal they've been on the Breonna Taylor stuff. And it's been incredible yep. to see that unity. And um, and the other thing I really appreciate about the NBA is they have the strongest players union in all of sports. Oh, absolutely. And they really go to bat for their players. So, yeah, kudos to the NBA, really. And the NBA Players Association. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, we'll get into this later. Chris Paul hasn't um, traditionally been my favorite player, but I have <laughs> well, to give him... Yeah, uh, we're going to... That's going to be a whole separate... <laughs> <laughs> but I have to give Chris Paul... I, I really appreciate the role he's played as the president of the um, of the NBPA, I think, uh, is what they're called, the Players yep. Association. And uh, he's done a really great job... And especially with COVID stuff. I know he's been incredibly involved and he's been there every step of the way. And he's been, you know, working with the league on all of the um, specifications for the bubble. And so, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul has been a really great leader uh, as the head of that, that union. That I think with that, we're going to round out the show for this episode and uh, watch game four. We're going to watch game four, and we're going to come back, and we're going to hopefully talk a little more shit next time. I 